Vic Verdier, a life of travel and adventure. I'm Jack Donovan, and you're listening to or watching Pater, PH2T3R, the Journal of Solar Culture. And today I'm joined by um, a member of the Order of Fire. His name is Vic Verdier. And I, I always refer to him uh, as our international man of mystery. Uh, he, he's, he's been living an adventurous life for a really long time. And uh, Vic does a lot of things. And so we'll get into what he does. But I, he also coaches men over 40 to uh, live the life that they want. And he's really good at, I would say, lifestyle design because, you know, we all listen to what Vic says and we're like, wow, I want to do what Vic's doing today. You know, it's, uh, so he's, he's got that kind of dialed in. Uh, so, yeah, we just wanted to talk about the living life in, in an artistic way and making life an art because I think that, uh, you know, that's that's the way to go, at least for as free for some of us. Other other people have other responsibilities, but, uh, you know, make make life art is the way I like to look at it. So cool. So, Vic, welcome. Hello, to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So, yeah, I'm Vic Verdier. It's a French name. I'm mm -hmm. French. It's also a French accent, and sometimes it's difficult to to understand. I don't know. Maybe you could have uh, some closed caption here at the same time. <laughs> Honestly, I was talking to one of the Australians the other day, and I was like, I thought I needed captions for that. <laughs> but yeah, so um, <clears throat> we um, we decided to talk about uh, travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, and because I'm French, I, I grew up in Paris. There's nothing else in France than Paris, anyway. Um, and Paris is a very multicultural city, mm -hmm. so I grew up in this kind of uh, melting pot of different influences, different people from different nationalities. And uh, and I started to uh, to travel when I was around 16. And you know, in Europe, it's it's kind of easy to travel. You have a train going pretty much uh, everywhere. And I had a a friend from high school, uh, and we decided to um, to explore all the, the the main capitals in Europe. So we went to uh, London, uh, Madrid, uh, Brussels, Rome. Rome was really beautiful. Uh, but some somehow, even if there are different countries with different cultures, there's still something common. You know, there's a kind of uh, uniformity uh, in, uh, in Europe that doesn't uh, provide you with a very strong cultural shock. If you um, my, uh, my, my first shock, really, was when I went to, uh, to Berlin. So it was Berlin before the fall of the wall, so before 1990. You know, uh, and obviously we had to go on uh, on the east uh, German side of, of the city. You know, so you go through uh, Checkpoint Charlie, uh, <clears throat> and you explore what what was supposed to be the the showcase of the of the Soviet Union. Okay, and it was sad. It was gloomy. It was empty. You could go in in any store, and there was pretty much nothing uh, so that was that that was very different very different from what i experienced before you know i didn't uh, even know that they let you go over there uh, yeah yeah uh, because i grew up and i remember that happening we probably have viewers that like were born after the wall came down but uh <laughs> I, so you got you got to go in and kind of look around yeah yeah just for a day you could explore uh, east berlin um and it i mean really it was uh, something very different for me um Something that pushed me to uh, to explore the world. You know, you you could go to uh, East Berlin. You could see the the Vopo, the Volkspolizei, the, the the local police. I mean, they were all dressed in black leather, the cap, and so very uh, Tom of Finland. <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, really something different from what I knew in uh, in Paris. You know. And that was my uh, my first real experience of uh, traveling in a very different environment. And then I kept going. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, how it started. Um, the second, I would say I had, let's say, four phases in my life uh, with four different ways to, uh, to, to travel. You know? 
so traveling as a teenager was in Europe, very easy, um, just for a few days, for a weekend, no need to learn the language, no, I mean, nothing difficult at all, nothing challenging. Um, and then I was in the, in the Navy for um, quite a while, for many years. Um, and after the, the Naval Academy, uh, I was sent uh, in a, a very small uh, unit, a multi, multi-branch unit, you know, people from the Navy, but also from the Army, from uh, the Air Force, from the Foreign Legion as well. And our job was to, um, to go to different countries in Africa and to train the, the local armies. So we would go there for uh, roughly six months, um, build um, a training camp and train the officers of uh, most of the time former French colonies, you know. And that was a, a very different way to travel. You know, the, the army, the military, uh, it's not about uh, sightseeing, it's not about tourism. It was, it has a real purpose. And, uh, and again, Africa in general is a, is a very, very different environment um, where anything can happen, where uh, human life has pretty much no, no real value, or at least at that time. You know? uh, and for me, again, that was a shock, seeing dead people, seeing uh, rebellions, because there's always a rebellion somewhere, a military coup or something, you know. Uh, <clears throat> so that was that was new. Um, I went to um, maybe roughly a, a dozen countries in, in Africa over the years. And um, sometimes it was easy language-wise because because of the former French colony, so everybody would speak French. Uh, sometimes it was more challenging, like in Mozambique, where they speak Portuguese. Um, and again, you have the language barrier, you have the, the cultural barrier. Um, you also have a, a very different uh, mindset, I would say. Uh, especially in, uh, in Mozambique, you had a lot of... Uh, tribes, okay, gangs, or whatever you want to call that, crossing the border from uh, from South Africa and burning villages and uh, raping, taking all the, the local resources. Um, I remember um, a village in, uh, in Mozambique where most of the men had no ears. And that's it. <laughs> That's kind of weird to see, you know. First of all, you don't really need that part here, you know. So it's pretty much just a hole. Uh, but when you when you see all the males with no ear, you know, some of them uh, had to wear glasses or so they had some duct tape to hold the glasses on, you know. Uh, <clears throat> it's yeah, it's something different, you know. And and you wonder why, and then they explain to you that uh, those bands. Those gangs will come and burn the villages, then cut all the ears as a trophy, uh, and then go quickly uh, back in their country, cross the border, and the border is pretty much non-existent. Uh, so again, that's a, a lot of um, different experience, different ways to, uh, to, to travel for me. Uh, and I did that for uh, quite a few years, and yeah, plenty of... Uh, stories of a, of a world that is definitely, or that was definitely very foreign for me. Yeah. Um, I would say the, the, the third part of my uh, traveling life uh, was after the Navy. After the Navy, I, I became a, a scuba diving instructor. You know? um, so that's, I mean, Again, a very different approach. It's more uh, tourist. It's more uh, sunny places where people go on vacations. Uh, uh, so nice uh, beaches, blue blue turquoise uh, sea, and uh, and people who are very relaxed because they want to be relaxed on vacation. Uh, people want to really enjoy uh, the underwater world. I, I started. Um, my first job 
uh, and I was there for almost a year. I was in Tahiti, in, the Fr in French Polynesia, you know, uh, very nice place, very remote, very nice place. Um, <clears throat> and I was in a, in a small, uh, small, not really small, but uh, an atoll uh, named uh, uh, the Tramutu. The Tramutu are uh, islands uh, quite uh, far away from Tahiti. Uh, and I was on a small island named uh, Rangioa, and, and there was nothing. I was living in a hut with, I mean, basic, very basic uh, amenities. And, uh, and the only thing I had to do every day was to, uh, to dive in crystal clear water with, I don't know, hundreds of sharks and dolphins and mantas and turtles. And uh, for people who would come here for a few days, spend a lot of money because it's kind of uh, very remote. Uh, but just just enjoying the, the under, underwater world. So yeah, that was uh, a very uh, a very nice uh, part of my life at some point, yeah. Yeah, well, how, how old were you when you were doing that? 28, something like that. That's fantastic. Uh, that's that's like the perfect age to be like, oh, I, I teach uh, tourists to scuba dive and I'm living on an island. And yeah, that, that that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I uh, I taught scuba diving for uh, 25 years, you know. Um, after Tahiti, I came back to uh, to France, in the south of France, and I, and I opened a, a business, a scuba diving school, you know. Uh, and that was... Pretty successful, but I mean uh, successful in a very kind of normal way, meaning I had some money, I had a nice house, I had two cars, uh, a sailing boat, a wife, and I was miserable. <laughs> 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 because, uh, because somehow I'm, uh, I'm um, a nomad. Uh, it's deep here, you know. I'm I'm a nomad, uh, a nomad in different uh, different ways. Uh, meaning, if you think about nomadic uh, versus uh, sedentary population, um, if you go all the way back, the hunter gatherers, they were semi nomadic somehow. You know, they will uh, settle somewhere for a few months, get all the resources they could get from the environment. And then move on somewhere else. Um, and and I think uh, and I think traveling is a bit like that. If you really want to enjoy it, if you really want to have uh, to take everything out of uh, out of your uh, travel, you need to stay a little bit in in a specific place. Mm -hmm. You cannot just go for a few days or a week. Uh, you you don't see anything. You don't experience anything. I always feel like that's a terribly boring conversation when someone says they've been somewhere for three days and they tell you exactly what it's like. Like, <laughs> here's what the people are like and here's what the thing is like. No, you had like four experiences. Like, <laughs> you, you don't really know anything about it. You know? Yeah, and they, and they usually try to compare to how, how better it is back home. You know, the roads are much better. The houses are much nicer where I live. You know? um, <clears throat> I think... You need to spend at least a few months to really experience. To really, um, for me, for me, traveling is is a lot of different things. It's uh, meeting the people. Uh, tra traveling opens your mind. I mean, um, it's kind of a trope, but that's that's true. Uh, it opens your mind because you you have to blend. Because you have to blend, you have to blend the different cultures. Sometimes a different religion, different language, different—I uh, mean, different everything, different customs, and so. Uh, there's so many things that uh, we do here in the U.S. that would be extremely rude uh, somewhere else. I mean, uh, I lived uh, in Thailand for six years, uh, and pretty much everywhere in Southeast Asia, if you raise your voice when you have an argument, you already lost. That's it. You lost. You raised your voice. You lost your face. It's done. Okay. 
uh, but it's normal here um, to speak loud and to be kind of exuberant and, uh, and borderline, borderline uh, obnoxious sometimes. Uh, that's that's how we we are here. You know? Yeah, I, I went out for dinner the other day and I was at a hotel. It was like a nice. You would have liked it. It was a nice uh, mid-century modern hotel. Uh, lobby and and uh, I went you know was having my cheat day they would have steak and cocktails and it was the middle of the day so there was no one there except for the loudest loudest people uh, imaginable and I almost wanted to leave because you couldn't you couldn't go anywhere in the restaurant without hearing them yeah you know, like they, they it was just some obnoxious probably a little bit drunk guy and his a uh, couple friends and his girl their wives. And they were all obnoxious, uh, you know, and it was like noon. <laughs> it was, it's like, ah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, people that I mean, I guess, I mean, I would assume like maybe that the Italians would have a problem with the the raising the voice thing as well, you know. Probably, yeah. probably. I mean, the the Western world in general is very different from Africa or Southeast Asia or even South America. Uh, um, Different cultures, different uh, people, different mindset. Uh, and if you travel with an open mind and accept the people for what they are and what they do and not trying to uh, uh, to change them or telling them that they are wrong, uh, you actually can experience a lot of different things. It could be whatever, the food, uh, sexual experiences. And, I mean, plenty of things are really different out of... Uh, what we do here in the, in the U.S. or in France or in the in the Western world in the, in the West in general. Uh, so I started to uh, I sold my uh, scuba diving uh, business right? and got rid of everything, <laughs> including. I believe you had a wife in there at some point. Yeah. Here her too. <laughs> and, uh, and I decided to uh, to travel and to use diving as a as a mean of, of uh, as a way to, to travel to, to nice places. Mm -hmm. uh, so I lived in, uh, in Malta. That is a fantastic place, history-wise. They've been inv invaded by everybody, and they managed to, uh, to assimilate all the cultures, uh, even in their language. There's a bit of Italian, a bit of French, a bit of uh, Arabic. There's a lot of stuff. They are really, really nice people. Um, I lived a bit in uh, in South Korea. I lived uh, two years in Egypt, and it was uh, again uh, interesting to live in a Muslim country. Uh, I uh, I learned a lot, you know, uh, and and it's like everything, you can have some I mean predetermined idea about different religions or different people, and, and when you live there, it's a completely different story, you know. Um, what would you say were some of the things that you learned from that? Because Americans have a, a mostly because of the recent you know, wars over there, mm -hmm. Americans have a very like uh, very one dimensional, I think, perspective on Muslims. I mean, even we even also I, I interact with a lot of veterans and so forth. So they've had a very particular experience like in Iraq or Afghanistan mm -hmm. or something with Muslims. But uh, I mean, what was your experience like? Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. People were uh, extremely friendly. Uh, I was managing a, a dive center in uh, in the Red Sea, and because most of the, I mean, I had a hundred, roughly hundred employees, and most of them were uh, Egyptian, so I had to learn Arabic as well, uh, and that's that's kind of a challenge. Okay, uh, but that was, I mean. Those people were extremely, they are devoted, they are uh, religious, uh, but they are very open-minded because they are dealing with tourists uh, all the time. And uh, and there was no animosity, no, no, no grief, no nothing against any non-believer, non-Muslim believer. I mean, um, they were extremely uh, welcoming. I mean, the number of times I was invited in uh, in a house, uh, drink tea or having dinner or anything like that was extremely, uh, that was extremely, I mean, overwhelming because most of them had nothing, but they wanted to share anyway, you know? And uh, 
and not in a very uh, ostentatious uh, way or anything like that. It's just, yeah, okay, you sit on the floor with us and we have some a meal together. Uh, let's get a, a bit of lamb together and cool. <laughs> nice, nice, <laughs> you know. And oh, it's time for the one of the seven prayers of the day to leave you for a few minutes and we come back. Cool. Okay. No problem at all. No, no pressure. Nothing. You know. And I uh, and I really enjoy the the desert in uh, in Egypt. That was my my first real uh, experience with complete loneliness, complete uh, absence of any structure or any human uh, interaction. That was uh, I, I really enjoy that. You know. I've been to the to the Sahara a bit later, but Egypt was uh, something very very different, and and most of the most of the people over there had a culture, and when I say culture, it mean it means education that we don't necessarily see in the West, okay, and it's not because of their history, the pharaohs and so on. No, it's because most of them wanted to learn, wanted to read, wanted to. Uh, to know more about the world outside of their uh, own little uh, sphere of influence. Um, so Egypt was a, <clears throat> a very, uh, a very nice experience for me, uh, and and I really wish to uh, to go back there at some point. Oh, nice. uh, where else? I lived uh, two years in Mexico, <clears throat> and that's where I started to. Uh, to do some cave diving, mm-hmm. uh, and cave diving again is something a bit—it's uh, <clears throat> something special within the special world of uh, scuba diving. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, going underground, underwater, far from anyone, in total darkness and uh, total silence. Uh, it's easy to get lost. Uh, it's easy to get stuck somewhere, and it's easy to drown. <laughs> yeah, <it's> good. <laughs> so, what attracted you to cave diving? Um, I don't know. I, I think the challenge, mm-hmm. and also, uh, and also the exploration side of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, because uh, I mean. <clears throat> At some point, you, you don't decide where the caves go. You know, they go in a very random way, up, down, right, left, and so on. Um, there's nothing human-made in a cave. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> and at some point, caves go deeper, right? and deeper, and deeper. Um, let's say the, the safe limit for recreational diving is usually around 120 feet or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. That's 40 meters for the metric people up there. Uh, and uh, and by going deeper and deeper and using different mixed gas, uh, different equipment, I was one of the, the, at the time, maybe 10 people worldwide uh, going below 700 feet. Uh, and that's... That's really pushing the envelope, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's more people who've been on the moon than people who've been exploring caves under uh, seven hundred feet. You know? So yeah, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and the thing is, the deeper you go, the longer it takes to come back. You know, there's a process called decompression when you have to have gas uh, or the gas you 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 breathe. Um, and some of the dives I've done were 10 hours, 12 hours long. So you spend 12 hours underwater, and most of those hours are doing nothing. It's kind of a meditation where we always talk about meditation, but that's that's a very meditating state because you just hear at a very stable depth and wait for two hours doing nothing. And and so I, I spend a lot of time underwater. Um, I think I told you at some point, uh, I actually spend, if you combine all the bottom time, all the underwater time in my life, I spend two years 
of my life underwater. <laughs> so that's quite a that's quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that's why uh, I'm kind of a very silent guy because for two years I didn't say a word. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the, the cool thing with um, with cave diving, especially this kind of extreme cave diving, was the fact that uh, when you are one of the few people doing that, uh, you don't have to create opportunities. The opportunities come to you. People ask you to come uh, to explore um, <clears throat> a cave, or they ask you to come and teach them or help them to uh, set up uh, an extreme dive of their own. Um, so that's why I, I had the opportunity to, uh, to travel even more. And that's how I ended up in, uh, in Thailand. Uh, and Thailand was uh, it's probably my favorite place on this planet. Yeah. yeah, Extremely nice and welcoming people, always smiling. You don't know if it's fake or true, but doesn't matter. It's always not going this I learned the language as well. I um, I had a great time. I spent six years over there. I learned Thai boxing. I started to teach Thai boxing. Um, the, the place is beautiful. I mean, and and Southeast Asia in general is uh, is beautiful. I, I'm always interested in uh, architecture in in, in general. And uh, yes, you have some great things in the, in the West. I mean, uh, I, I grew up uh, uh, looking at um, castles in France or churches and so on. But Southeast Asia, Thailand, the temples are beautiful. And I mean, there's an old city, the uh, the, the the former capital of uh, Siam, um, so Thailand. Uh, it's called Ayutthaya. And it's full of beautiful temples where you can you can spend a, a year and not seeing half of what can be seen. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it's nice. I remember in the in the podcast you had with uh, Bronson, uh, he's talking about uh, monkeys uh, in one city in India. But there's a there's a place like that near Ayutthaya. It's called Lopburi, mm -hmm. and it's invaded by uh, by monkeys. Uh, stealing your stuff when you walk in the street and so on, and uh, and people have to keep their uh, the windows of their houses closed all the time. Otherwise, the monkeys come inside and break shit and leave. <laughs> <laughs> and those monkeys are extremely intelligent. Um, it's, um, I, I remember um, <clears throat> a traffic light, you know, and strangely enough, even in Thailand. People stop at the traffic light, not always, but most of the time. And uh, and by the side uh, on the curb, there was a, a group of monkeys doing nothing. The traffic light was red, the car stopped, and they were doing nothing. And as soon as uh, the traffic light turned green, all the monkeys jumped in, picked up trucks, and stole everything they could and ran away. And then you, you have the driver in the middle of uh, <clears throat> traffic, people uh, honking and say, hey, hey, go, go, go. It's green now, it's good. Oh, shit. <laughs> so th those, those monkeys were extremely intelligent. Extremely, uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so Thailand was a beautiful place. And, uh, yeah. and if you have the opportunity one day, um, Go, 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 go. And, and all over, I mean, Southeast Asia in, in, in general is, um, is nice. It's really nice. It's a very different environment. Uh, you go to, um, I mean, Laos or Vietnam. Or, and again, it's, a, it's different. Uh, it's a different culture, different norms. Uh, I saw in, in, what was it, in Saigon, I think. Um, you know, this kind of uh, street uh, restaurant, uh, two, three tables, uh, a few stools, and uh, and people cooking on a small cart and washing the dishes afterward in 
in the street on the puddle, <laughs> on the puddle, <laughs> just washing the dishes up, putting back in. And I mean, is that normal? That's okay. Is it dirty? Yeah, probably a bit, but eh, okay. That's why you have a, an immune system, you know? Yeah, I mean, people people are so worried about that. You yeah. know, like they think they're used to everything being sterilized constantly, and it's it just makes them weaker. I that's been my thing ever since uh, 2020. I'm just trying to get dirtier and dirtier. Really is <laughs> like oh, some that fell on the floor. It used to be like three second rule. Now it's like man, it's been on the floor for a few minutes. That's fine. <laughs> you know, get a little you know like get a little dirt in you. You know, like uh, my dog licks me. Who knows what he's been doing. You know, like uh, all the time. We, we I'm like, been doing it. We know. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you see my dog, uh, <laughs> Spike especially. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's good for you. I mean, I don't get sick a lot. You know, like I think that the people who are constantly rubbing themselves down with disinfectant and trying to get super clean, they they they're sicker people. Yeah, they they end up with a. A weak immune system somehow. So it's just finding a, a, a right balance. Yeah. Okay. Another example uh, that was kind of uh, interesting about Southeast Asia. Uh -huh. I spent a bit of time in uh, in Cambodia, and uh, <clears throat> and in Cambodia at some point you had the the Khmer Rouge. I don't know if you remember. So the the, the Kind of a very dictatorial uh, regime in uh, in Cambodia and uh, and in Phnom Penh you still have a, a place called S21 um, and I I don't know if you remember the killing fields uh, that's where torture and uh, execution uh, took place and it's still there S21 is still the, the prison where kids used to torture the, uh, the dissidents. And uh, and again, it's a it's a it's a shock because yeah, I've seen uh, a torture museum in in Prague. Uh, there's something a bit like that in France as well. But that's from the Middle Age, right? That's not from 50 years ago, you know. <laughs> and uh, and when you when you see uh, the prisoners being put in in a box where you obviously cannot fit and the prisoners will stay there for months and months uh, crapping themselves completely stuck in a small box until until whatever until they get killed shot or until they they publicly disavow uh, whatever political opinion they had before oh, I mean it's it's hard it's really hard it's it's a very different um, Different thing when you really face to face to uh, to that reality, and and I went to one of the boxes just to see. It's a, it, it's not even a cage; it's a box, <laughs> yeah, with a, a tiny door, a trap where you can sneak in. Uh, but how can you stay months and months in that position? Because you can you you cannot even move, you know. Can you imagine your, your knees, your joints, everything is completely uh, stuck in one position. Uh, you have to pee yourself. And uh, <laughs> and that was commonplace at the time. Mm -hmm. and, um, so again, that's, in my opinion, one of the benefits of traveling. Mm -hmm. uh, it's being, it's facing that reality. Things on when you see people uh, complaining uh, for very mundane things uh, and other people on the other side of the world have been tortured in, in this kind of way yeah i mean it put everything into a perspective somehow yeah so yeah. absolutely and people like to think that we're that far away from doing that but uh you know that people i mean those things still happen in the world and they're going to still happen. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, like that, that doesn't go away. That's, uh, that's part of human nature. And you can see when people dehumanize each other, um, how easy it would be after a certain point, you know, for you just get, get a certain threshold that you have to pass to be able to do that. 
And then that's the new normal of like, okay, well, that's what we do to people. And we saw a little bit of that over the past like few years of like, you know, how people will treat each other uh, if the government says this or the government says that and you know, turn each other in and all that. That's just like a little taste yeah. of what those people were going through, you know, like, uh, you know, and, you know, I'm sure that happens, I'm sure that's happening in Mexico somewhere you know, with the cartels and so forth. I mean, that kind of, that kind of behavior, uh, you know, like these things happen and, and they just, they're part of human nature and people always think that we can train them out of, of people. But I think that given the right circumstances, everyone's capable of that uh, yeah. kind of cruelty you know, and uh, so forth. The varnish of uh, civilization is not very thick. Somehow it's easy to, uh, to break it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people always say just a few days without a few days without food and water. Yeah, uh, you're you're a little bit you're not far. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? So after after Thailand, I moved to the US. Mm -hmm. so I moved to the US uh, 14, 15 years ago now. And as you can tell, I still have the accent. <laughs> you know that. Um, <clears throat> And uh, and that was also that's also a very different uh, uh, a way to to travel for me uh, because now I mostly travel when I teach a course mm -hmm. or when I take a course. Uh, I take a lot of courses in a lot of different uh, different things, but uh, I don't hesitate to travel, especially because I like that. Uh, I don't hesitate to travel uh, even uh, far away. Um, and just to teach courses, I've been to uh, Japan, uh, Argentina, uh, Sweden, uh, Australia, I mean, plenty of uh, plenty of places. Um, I can't just before this uh, this podcast. I, I I wanted to give you some uh, some numbers, some statistics. That's cool. That's always funny. And uh, and I've been to uh, 76 countries, and that's uh, not bad. Um, and I've been and I've been to 46 uh, U.S. Uh, states. Okay, I still have four missing. Okay, but it means I've been teaching or taking courses in a lot of different uh, different places. Yeah. Uh, in the U.S., I can uh, ride my motorcycle. Um, Abroad, I usually fly. Okay, um, but I was talking about this uh, nomadic mindset uh, I always had, and uh, and it goes with uh, a bit of uh, minimalism. Somehow, uh, I've always been very uh, minimalist. Uh, yeah, I have a, a, a place here in the U.S., but. Um, Somehow, my uh, my belongings are always limited to roughly 100 uh, things. Uh, yeah. So everything should fit in a bag, and this bag should fit on my motorcycle. That's pretty much my uh, my idea. Sometimes, uh, yeah, I uh, drift a bit, but it's usually uh, pretty pretty constant somehow. Um, because if you travel, and we are talking about hunter-gatherers, uh, you can't have a lot of shit. <laughs> That's it, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, it makes me think of like the Mongolians, you know, like uh, whatever, uh, the going across the steps, moving yurts uh, mm -hmm. with them and everything they had to take with them. And, and uh, you know, and a lot of people have done that. I mean, people who did it in the desert, I think, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. throughout Africa. And, and, uh, and it's, it seems to be like, you know, there's two modes of living you know like you said like there's we talked about it a little bit when we were studying the uh, native americans is that you have the tribes that farm and then the tribes that raid them <laughs> the, the tribes that like just travel around and raid them uh and there seems to be like an even distribution like there's there's these tribes that do that and then there's these tribes that do that and uh but yeah i mean there's it's uh i i remember one of the things that you said to me um uh, it, which is very your personality and very nomadic is that you said uh, I 
can't imagine staying in one place for that long. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like for very, for, for my whole life, why would anyone want to stay in the same place for their whole life? Like, like you're like, I mean, so you don't even understand it. <laughs> you know? It's not a judgment because, I mean, right. everybody has the, the life they, they want. Uh, personally, I, I think you, you, you learn a lot of things by, uh, by traveling and by meeting more people. And, uh, and, and, and if you think about traveling uh, through, uh, through the lens of the three archetypes, you know, uh, the striker is uh, the one we, who travels to hunt or travels to go to war. It's uh, Alexander the Great, it's uh, conquest, it's exploration and so on. Uh, but that's not everybody. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the father is more about uh, traveling on, traveling to, uh, probably to exchange knowledge, to learn more things, okay? Uh, I would say it's more like uh, Marco Polo, uh, discovering places, exchanging with other people, and bringing back this knowledge. And this, this is more of a semi-nomadic kind of things. Mm -hmm. You travel, but then you come back home. Right. Yeah. And the Lord of the, of the Earth uh, is especially when you think about the, the hunter-gatherer, it's moving to get new resources. Right. It's moving uh, to acquire new technology, maybe. Okay, new craftsmanship, new, new things, new way to, uh, to change the world around us. And, uh, and somehow it's also uh, moving to uh, meet new people and... Uh, Avoiding that the, the gene pool becomes too weak, and, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and I think those three archetypes uh, they all travel for different reasons, but at the, at the end of the day, they all travel, yeah, temporarily or constantly, but they all travel, and uh, and that's how I, I feel uh, deep inside. I need to move. I need to uh, change my horizon. I need to uh, to see other people and learn new things and so. On. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and obviously there are people who are more focused on like I'm I'm trying to build in one spot, you know, which is that's that's how you get castles, right? <laughs> people who want to build a kingdom in one spot, uh, you know, which is which is just a different way. But you, you, you moved quite a bit over the years. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, I'm saying, generally speaking, there are a lot of people that have to, you know, uh, but uh, no, I'm the same way. I always used to joke, even when I was younger, before I've moved to the past few years. I mean, I always used to joke that I don't, I don't visit places. I just move there. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know, I, I lived in New York City and lived in San Francisco and uh, um, in uh, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, Portland and and so forth. And the, recently, I've been you know a little refugee, so I've been going uh, you know from left uh, Oregon and moved to Utah, and now I'm here in Arizona. And uh, so I would like I'm very uh, um, I'm very jealous of uh, Bronson and you your uh, existence where you just leave for endless periods of time. I was talking about that today. I've been like, well, I have, I have my dogs, and I don't. <laughs> I actually just uh, talked to my uh, black belt today at uh, my gym because he said he had a really good dog border uh, mm -hmm. where they, you know, they have a big yard and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, oh, good, because I really want to go to Greece. Uh, I really want to go to Greece in the fall because I've never been, and I want to. While travel's still open, and, and you know, who knows what the world will become, I would love to see some of the stuff that I've been reading about for so many years. You know, just 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 to actually just be in that place. Yeah, I think I would like to go see that. Obviously, I can't really take just months off. I mean, I kind of could, but yeah, I do have some responsibilities that I can't just be gone for forever. You know, but uh, I do uh, I, I do admire that, and it does sound like an adventure uh, to be uh, just let's see what happens. You know, to, to do the one way ticket uh, kind of lifestyle definitely sounds uh, very appealing.
Yeah, and uh, and I think traveling makes you more uh, more resilient, more independent. Um, independent because if you if you're able to travel, it means you don't have or you can deal with the responsibilities you have in a more flexible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also means that you have eh, maybe less roots. Maybe you lose something uh, somewhere, okay? Uh, but Bronson, for example, is traveling with his wife, as far as I understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you can still travel. And I, and I met a lot of people traveling with their kids as well mm-hmm. uh, in a very nomadic way, not in an RV uh, with TV in the chimney, but, uh, <clears throat> but uh, just traveling... I mean, in buses, taxis, <laughs> trains, and uh, so that's that's possible as well. Um, and it makes you more resilient because uh, if you don't like a place, and that's a discussion I have very often with people, and they say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm stuck here. I cannot move. This place uh, sucks now. Uh, it used to be a nice neighborhood, but now." Uh, there's crime everywhere and so on. And when you tell them, move, move somewhere else, you know, I don't know, I cannot, uh, it's not possible, I have to sell the house. It's a, yes, it's possible. Yes, it is. It just may be more work. But yeah. Is it worth that? Is it worth uh, staying there and suffering uh, every day? Probably not, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> And uh, you don't like a place, move. You don't like a country, move. <laughs> it's also uh, <clears throat> it's also a possibility, you know. Uh, and and there's plenty of people, uh, plenty of expats everywhere who really enjoy their life now uh, instead of their uh, nine to five job that that hate that they hate at some point, you know. Uh, nothing against uh, this kind of job. I've never had one. Can't really, uh, <laughs> I can't really judge. But uh, I think it's not for me in general. Uh, and if it's not for someone, change. Go somewhere else. Find. There's so many opportunities. Uh, it's, uh, it takes a bit of uh, courage at the beginning. Uh, but it's it's like any muscle. The more you train it, the easier it gets. You know? uh, courage is a muscle, and you just need to uh, to train it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, you know there are a lot of opportunities, and uh, you can find a way. You know, in a lot of places. I mean, like I said, I've been moving past the past few years, and over time, I could get more minimalist. Uh, yeah, like if I was just by myself, I think I would probably live in an, you know, an apartment somewhere. And then just when I was done with it, just go to the next place. Yeah. That's probably what I do by myself, but I can't really do that the whole way. But, uh, it's, uh, I've thrown out so many things over the past few years. <laughs> that I'm like, I just get tired of buying things. <laughs> like at this point, I'm like, we just threw everything out. Like, Oh, I just built. Okay. Now we're going to build it. Uh, like the third garden. And like, <laughs> you know, like, okay. All right. You know, it's nice to do those things, but then it's after a certain point, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just imagining carrying this back out of the house and taking it to the dump because that's where it's going. (laughs) But uh, you you probably uh, read uh, Gulliver's Travel at some point in your life, especially when you were a kid. You you read this uh, this book about this uh, this guy Gulliver who uh, ended up on an island where Everybody is tiny. Yes. You remember that story? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and he, he wakes up, and all those tiny people start to put some strings on top of him. Okay. And those strings are, it's not even strings, it's threads. You know, they are tiny as well. Uh, but because there's so many of them, he cannot move. He's stuck here. One of them, he could easily break it, but this, Thousands of them, and he's stuck here. And, uh, and, and somehow that's the image I have when, uh, when I think about all the stuff we buy. Uh, 
all the habits we have, uh, every single one of them, we could easily get rid of this habit. We could really easily get rid of this, whatever appliance that we have. But there's so many of them that we are overwhelmed and stuck uh, in that location, in that position, in that uh, in that world, you know. And uh, yeah, I really believe that sometimes it's 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 not only good; it's necessary to get rid of everything and start from scratch. You know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's my opinion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a cool experiment to do. I mean, yeah. I've I've started over. The hardest thing I think about that is uh, rebuilding social networks. Yeah, when you move, yes. Yeah, I always say it takes about a year and a half in a place to where you really know where everything is. Yeah. Like not just every, not like to get around, but like sources of yeah. things like this is where I like to buy this. This is where I like to buy that. This is where the things, you know, like, uh, you know, like this is where if I was going to do an art project, this is the store that I would go to to get that. Yeah. Like all those details uh, yeah. of things of takes a while to really get that. But then even the social network, someone takes a little bit longer, yeah. you know, yeah. because you have to, you know, friendships take a long time to build. Yeah. You know, and, and so that, that takes a, that that's a little bit harder to do, but uh, yeah. it can be done. I, I've done it a few times. I've, uh, that's the thing. But if you've moved a lot, and obviously you've more moved a lot more than I have, but I've lived in a bunch of cities at this point. And uh, when you think about the people that are still in the town that they uh, grew up in, uh, and they've never left, and that's not wrong uh, because some people it's like, oh, well, you you actually have a really strong social network, and you have all these like you know you know who to call for this person, that person, all these things. And, you know, it just matters if, if, if they're happy there or not, you know, and I know people who are happy in the same place. But when I think about uh, my mom tells me about like, oh, you remember so and so I'm like, I have forgotten so many groups of people since then. <laughs> like, I, you know, like I've had whole groups of friends and whatever that have I don't remember now that were somewhere in between, <laughs> you know, like uh, it, it's it, time stands still, I think, for a lot of those people in who stay in the same place in the way that you get to live multiple lives almost. I think when you travel as much as you have, or even the, you know, I've moved to cities like I have, you, you have different lives, little different little sections of life that had whole friendships and whole communities and all kinds of things that, you know, um, just, you know, that's one section. That's a chapter in your book. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And I think, uh, I mean, the more activities you you have, the easier for you when you move to a, a new place to build your social network mm -hmm. uh, through BJJ, through whatever whatever activity you have. But uh, yes. but it takes time. You're right. It takes time. It takes time. But yeah, So what are you what are you thinking about doing next? Ah, okay. Uh, so this summer. Meaning in a few weeks, uh, I'm going to Alaska, one of the four states I haven't been to, with Maine, Vermont, and North Dakota. It's kind of uh, up north in general, and more tropical. You know. uh, <laughs> uh, and after that, I'm going to France, and in France, because I still have my uh, my family over there, so. I go there from time to time, even if I haven't lived in France for the last uh, 30 years now. Um, I still go there to see to see my family. Uh, <clears throat> and I want to take the opportunity to go places I haven't been to. I want to go to uh, Poland, probably, and somewhere else, thinking, I don't know, Finland uh, or Eastern Europe. I haven't been, I haven't spent too much time in Eastern Europe, spending a few weeks over there. And then back in the U.S. because I still need to work as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what you do? I I I will say that I'm excited that I feel like if I have been to Poland. Have you not yep. been to Poland? I'm, no, I've been somewhere that you haven't been to. Yes. How has that happened? <laughs> but I, I spoke at a conference in Poland, so I did. I was there for like a week. Uh, okay. And, uh, I in uh, in Warsaw, and that that was uh it was it was cool. I, I, yeah. I it's, a, it's a nice place. Uh, yeah. you know, okay. it's a lot of raw meat. 
Uh, yeah. they, they like uh, raw meat there. Uh, like it, it just get at nightclubs. Someone was like, this is one of the locals was like, uh, come out with us one night and they do. Uh, this is what we would eat. And they just get like a shot of vodka and uh, basically raw hamburger and some pickles and, and like an egg or something like that. And so uh, I was like, okay, I mean, I, I like steak tartare, so I can get down with that. That's, that's fine. Uh, but uh, it was, it was just kind of, it was a nice thing to see. I think Amer- a lot of Americans would be horrified, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so. I, don't know but you, you, I mean, when you travel, you, you eat a lot of different things, you know, yeah. uh, you, I mean, again, you open your mind to stuff that you, wouldn't eat otherwise. I ate some uh, scorpions in uh, in Thailand, the fried scorpions, uh-huh. really good actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? I ate some uh, fruit bats. Okay, so really big bats uh, that they serve on the plate with their wings uh, all spread out. That's kind of impressive. Uh, I ate that in Vanuatu. I I mean, you you learn to eat stuff that you will never dream about eating you know uh, one of my uh, favorite food now on this planet is uh, durian and durian is a, a fruit a big fruit with spikes and everything uh, it actually because of its smells it smells really bad oh, I don't find that uh, very smelly but uh, it's actually forbidden in uh, most public transportations in uh, Singapore and Southeast Asia in general you can't oh. have that. Uh, but that's my, one of my favorite food now. And every time I can find that in a Asian market somewhere, oh. that's my treat, you know? <laughs> so, you, yeah, you open your uh, your uh, your palate, your taste, taste buds to uh, things you're not used to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, always, I always love doing that. You know, like if there's something on the menu that I haven't had, I'll definitely... And it's that's interesting. You know, I, 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 I like to do that. I always say that I always call it the Hannibal Lecter menu items. Like, you know, like, like, oh, they have eyeballs. I haven't had those before. Like, <laughs> you know, just to try to try different things like that. You know, I, uh, I, when we were describing that, because I think you were talking about the East, I was like picturing the scene from uh, Indiana Jones where they're in the Temple of Doom, where they're eating monkey brains. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never had that. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I so, meat like ostrich and obviously kangaroos in, in Australia. And I mean, there's plenty of things. Uh, I had dogs once. Uh, okay. I like dogs, not the meat, the, the animals. I like them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that would creep me out a little bit. <laughs> Not because it tastes bad. I'm sure it tastes fine, but like I would be like that. I'm like, uh, there are friends. Yeah. <laughs> but other things, other animals are cute, and I have no problem eating them either. So uh, whatever. But uh, but I was gonna say uh, just to, you know before we uh, wrap up or whatever, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you travel the world teaching now because you don't teach scuba diving anymore, do you? No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, because of all the deep diving uh, I did at some point, I had a, a diving accident, and uh, and that was pretty much uh, the end of my uh, scuba diving career. Uh, now, was that when you got paralyzed, or was that after yes, that? Yes. Yes. Okay. This one. Yeah. 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 I was uh, unable to uh, work for uh, quite a few weeks, uh, and it took uh, six months before I could actually move. Kind of normally, so yeah. Uh, <clears throat> okay, shit happens. As they say, you still done cave diving recently, haven't you? I thought you still uh, not, that. not after that. I mean, yes, but very shallow, very. Okay, I know you did a little bit of it because I, I remember you went into cenote in Mexico. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, because I mean, as I said, diving uh, has been a, a passion of mine for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. You can't really get rid of that. Uh, just like that, you know. So right. I, I still die from time to time. Yes, yeah, but just uh, not like seven hundred feet or days. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not my job anymore. Uh, what I do now, I, I teach uh, fitness a lot. Uh, I teach some combatives, uh, and combatives means uh, firearms, but also uh, combination of uh, boxing, ground fighting. Uh, Krav Maga, uh, all, all these kind of things. Um, 
as you said uh, <clears throat> at the beginning, I'm mostly interested in uh, in helping uh, men over 40 to uh, to to stay strong or to get back to uh, a place in their life uh, where they were strong and mobile and and you know the way you you feel in your body helps a lot uh, here as well. Uh, so helping helping people to move better, helping people to go through a, a period of um, um, a time in a man's life. You know, you always talk about the midlife crisis and so on, but uh, it's true. There's something. There's something happening. Uh, you've been maybe you were very strong, or maybe at least you were mobile and. Uh, and capable of doing a, a lot of different things. Uh, you had a strong sex drive. You you were confident. You were, and, and and you feel like you're aging. And and for many many men, many of my uh, my students, it's a, it's a difficult time. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I help them with that. I help them with the fact that. I mean, as we age, testosterone level tends to uh, to drop as well, and it has a lot of uh, repercussion in your in your body and your and your head. So that's that's what I do most of the time. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I think people really don't. I was just talking about this today in jiu-jitsu. But you know, people, there's so many people that don't are programmed to think that their bodies are supposed to fall apart, and so they let them fall apart. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so many people that struggle with that and, and they think that at their 35 that they're old and they can't do things. I mean, I remember uh, me bending over and you laughed at me like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is an old man thing. And you're like, whatever. You're like, I'm 10 years older than you. No, oh, no, yeah. 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 And, and so much of the stuff, and I, I know this, it's just, you know, like there's things that you work on and things that you don't, you know, but, uh, so much of things are just like flexibility issues or, or, uh, things that, well, yeah, if you haven't done that for 10 years, it's going to be, you're going to be slow at it, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be all the time. You know, you can, you can improve a lot of things far more than people imagine. Yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's, a uh, you know, obviously if you, if some guys accumulate a good bit of injuries by a certain age, but, uh, and they have to work around those. But I think that there's, so much potential for capability now. I mean, I was talking about that to my coach uh, today because uh, he he asked me about my you know I'm cutting right now for the fitness shoot and, mm -hmm. and well for that for this video that I'm doing and, uh, and I'm like yeah I'm I'm pretty sure I look the best I've ever looked right now. Uh, and he's like, that's amazing. You're like 48. And you're like saying, I still look, I look the best. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, I actually know a, uh, an Orthodox priest who did a bodybuilding show at like 64. Nice. And, uh, and I'm like, I mean, if they think about it, it's really just starving. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's what's involved is you, <laughs> starving in math. Uh, you know, there's a lot of it. So, uh, you know, so you can do it and you, you can just uh, think that people give up on things too early. And I, I, I love that you encourage uh, men who are over 40 to go out and uh, kind of get their fitness back and, and uh, continue to be able to live life in, yeah. in a productive way. And I think it's important when when you get older, and older is here, of course, but it's, <clears throat> as I say, anything above uh, 40, let's say, uh, it's important to to keep moving, it's important to still be able to run, jump, crawl, climb, uh, fight uh, in many different ways. It's important to uh, be able to to balance and not fall. And if you fall, uh, being able to fall properly and not breaking stuff, mm -hmm. because the more stuff you break, as you said, the more injuries you have, the harder it gets. Okay, and and falling when you're old. Uh, it's never, never been fun, you know. Right. Um, so, I think it's part of uh, what we should do and what we don't necessarily do, because it's just so easy to give up. Mm -hmm. uh, give up, as we say in traveling, because it's easier to to stay in one spot. Uh, 
and easier to uh, sit in the, on the couch and, and do nothing mm-hmm. and watch TV, you know. So that's what I'm fighting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Stasis. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's actually a perfect point to, to wrap it up. Fighting stasis. Uh, you know, I keep moving. And uh, so uh, thank you for uh, joining me and, and uh, being a part of the Order of Fire because you're, you know, you bring so much to it because you have all this experience and it's fantastic. And uh, it's great to have you. And and uh, thanks to all the people who are listening to this uh, on Spotify or on YouTube or wherever. So I'm supposed to say I, I, I need to learn how to do this better. That you're supposed to smash that like button and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, well, I'll talk to you later. Uh, give me a second here, but uh, to the audience, uh, stay solar. Thank you, and stay set up. Cool. Pater is the cultural arm of the Order of Fire. For more, visit ph2t3r.com.